Okay. So this is Think Movement, uh, Finding Common Ground, episode two, um, looking at the idea of masculinity. I have um, Rufus here from Maine and Mike kind of from all over, but is now in Georgia, correct? Alabama right now. Alabama. All right. Yes. So I'm going to let these guys introduce each other. Uh, Mike in Alabama, go ahead. Uh, I'm Mike Dubois. I uh, live in North Alabama right now. Uh, we were planning on going back to Georgia from Oregon, but we stopped in Coleman and it's beautiful and we love it. And so we just stayed. Um, I'm a retired professional mixed martial artist. Um, I still train martial arts for fun and for you know, health reasons. Uh, I'm currently a cowboy. I guess you would call it. I, I design cattle working systems and I install them and I basically just try to keep the cows in and the cowboys out. Um, <laughs> and that's pretty much it. Just simple. Yep. Cool. Rufus? Um, yeah. Hi, Mike. I'm Rufus. I'm in Deer Isle, Maine. Um, and I'm currently between between things at the beginning of a fishing season for the past two years i've been working on a lobster boat um nice. and yeah it's it's been nice it's been a lot of learning um and i think what i'm excited to talk to you about is both what chris mentioned just the, like the fighter ego in there and i've been talking with chris a little bit about how um i've brought a mixture of like my own movement stuff like going back to wrestling from high school and rock climbing a little bit and different parts and pieces i identified with like your description on the think movement about um sort of assembling knowledge from a lot of places and then specifically that transition to the workplace and that like both from the ego perspective of it and like going from that training and i actually think like the lobstering world uh there's a lot of aspects of it that like look a little bit like martial arts but the like and there is some language around that but mostly it's like i'm finding not a whole lot of like dialogue about wellness and self-care and the way that you're talking about with the injury piece um and just like i really like i'm drawn to to the way that you found your way back to to bjj and like to to martial arts for recovery and health and um yeah that both and to me and your story is really really fascinating wow thank you i would say yeah well and also like i think because of the ego part of it that's another part of the like learning in the fishing world is there's a lot of stereotypes about it being this like macho environment and certainly that's present but actually, um, I was sharing with Chris, like some of the, some of the coaching along the way I've gotten has been about things like, you know, someone who taught me was like, well, you're going to become a hand fetishist. Cause if you're like throwing your hands into like things that want to bite you all day, like you're going to have to take care of them. And so there's like a little bit more of a softer ethos that's behind the like rah, rah. And I wondered if that was like true in the fighting world too, maybe. Oh, yes, absolutely. That's what you just said about hands, of course. I mean, if you're making money with these, you got to take care of them, you know, and yeah. knuckleheads like me, you know, I go out and I hit the heavy bag with no hand wraps, no gloves on, just out there being hard ass, being tough as I can be, you know, and, and that's how you get boxing fractures. That's how you get a boxer's break. That's how you, those are tiny little bones in there. I mean, you're taking, you're taking large muscles 
biceps, triceps, pectoral muscles. Uh, you're using those to propel the smallest bones that you have at the biggest bone somebody else has. Oh. That's not a very good game plan for longevity. <laughs> you know, it's same with kicks. I mean, think about taking your glutes, hams, and quads and throwing a tiny foot with full of little tiny bones at somebody's thighs or knees or elbows or hip bones. When you connect yeah. with those, I mean, yeah. I, there's, there's times where, uh, you know, I have flare-ups where my bones and my feet will just ache for a week at a time and I'll just limp. And Still. then limping, limping causes the knee to hurt. Then the knee hurting causes the low back to hurt. And then I've, I've, now I'm four weeks into just trying to not hurt anymore because of a broken bone in my foot. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, yeah. From, from fighting again or from? Yeah, just from fighting, from, yeah. from a, a kick landing on an elbow by accident or a kick yeah. landing on a hip bone by accident. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you're trying really precisely to place those. It's less random than it looks to the, to the unintelligent eye in that way. The kicks that you hear audibly are nothing. That is a foot slapping a piece of meat. The, uh -huh. the kicks that you don't hear are like that of a baseball bat hitting your thigh. You see what I'm saying? There's not going to be sound, but it's going to hurt really bad. Yeah. A, a smack against your arm, it, you know, that's, that sounds bad, but it's nothing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bone against bone doesn't make noise, but, oh, it makes for pain. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's right. I think I mean I've been learning about that in a different way. In the like I mentioned, I had I don't have much fighting history, right? Like schoolyard style, and like I was on a wrestling team for a little while. I like I drifted away from it because I couldn't really manage my own. Like I don't know, I didn't have the right mesh of a trainer, right? Like I think I could have found a better better connection there. But in um in the fishing world, certainly like you're standing on a moving platform all day and your work environment is this big aluminum box, like like six, seven feet by four feet. And that's where like the bait is on top of it and you're trying to deal with it. And like when you knock bone into things, yeah, it, it takes some time. That's something I've been talking with Chris about on the like wellness front of just like, I think similar, similar, like the when you're trying to minimize impact at the same time that you're trying to deliver more impact, right? And I'm trying to not, not have any impact with anything in the fishing right. world. It's like, I don't want to hit things. But when you do, um, you learn a little bit better and better. And that's been like, as I'm getting more familiar with and mapping that environment, and it's had a physical impact, I'm having less, you know, less injury in the hand and the like the day to day gets easier. Um, I was kind of curious about that actually in your fighting career, because you in the article that you wrote, that like drew me in and that's the other aspect of you that I think is really awesome is like uh both fighter and worker are like two categories that aren't really like thought of as expressive and like talking about themselves and this stuff very much and you're like I don't know you do and it just like goes to show for me like yeah like we can we can participate in this I guess but um uh you were talking about that like level from when you started as a fighter and taking taking those beatings right and then starting to deliver them and i was wondering about the like sort of plateaus as your physicality moves through that world and the decisions like when you're talking about cutting weight of like what 
what you're thinking about when you were when you were doing that and what was driving that and yeah uh so uh let's see let's kind of start off from the beginning sure. yeah so sure. i i grew up um i had a i had a stepdad that i really didn't like because he made me work hard he had his own business and we had to work cutting grass cutting trees uh, we hauled pulp wood out of the forest when we were, you know, second, third grade during the wintertime when there was no grass to cut. So we just came from uh, just a real hardworking background, grew up working really, really hard. We were kind of poor. And so, you know, we had to maintain a certain level of work just to maintain our, our living. Uh, so I would say the worker in me is what um, made me a good fighter because I had this background of you just have to work hard. If you just continue to work hard, everything will work out. Everything will fall in place. Everything happens for you, the person that continues to work hard. If you ever, like there's this saying that, you know, you can plant, well, I don't know how it goes, something about a farmer, you know, plants all this stuff and, you know, he doesn't know how much he's actually going to harvest off the plant. But the guy that plants nothing knows that he's going to harvest nothing. And <laughs> yeah. so if I'm getting 10% return on my work, if I just do more work, I'll, my 10% will get bigger and bigger and bigger. Yep. And so when I went into fighting, you know, I didn't have any skill. I didn't, you know, we, like I said, we were poor. There was no karate kid studio where I grew up. There was no, we didn't have a wrestling team. Right. You know, we just, if we got in fights, it was with our brother or our cousin or the kids in the trailer park or, you know, fighting was something that had, when I, when I went to school and I found out that other kids got to fight one-on-one -on -one instead of having to fight their brother and his friend. Oh man, fighting was awesome. So, you know, I came from that background when I got yeah. to fighting and didn't have any skills. All yeah. I had was, I'm just going to be tougher than you. Uh -huh. Like you're going to get tired of hurting me before I get tired of getting hurt. <laughs> That's what it is. You yeah. know? And, and so by going into fighting with a worker's mentality of I'm just, I'm just going to outwork everybody by showing up more than everybody else. That's how you get good. There's not, you don't, so you can learn from Steven Seagal or you can learn from Steven Mitchell, the guy down the street, right? It's the same martial art that you're learning. It's how much do you put in as to how much you're going to get out. And that's, mm -hmm. you know, that's what I learned working. Mm -hmm. What you put in is what you get out. Mm -hmm. And so after fighting, it's time to go back to work. There's no problem. There's no misstep. I don't have to, yep. you know, there's, the only thing that, that I had to really slow me down when I first started, you know, when I started doing this whole cowboy thing was uh, I had to remember how ratchet straps worked. <laughs> that was yeah. it. You know, I yeah. mean like, but as far as like getting out there and, you know, grabbing the post hole diggers and digging a hole and putting a post in and building a fence and, you know, right. running cattle, like I, I never worked cattle growing up, but it's just, it's just work. So as long as you're willing to work, you can be anything or do anything. I could, 
I've never been on a fishing boat other than like a bass boat catching brim yeah. in a river, you know, but yeah. I know that if I was to show up with you tomorrow to right. work, right. Uh, I wouldn't know what I'm doing. I yeah. would do what I'm told and yeah. I would do that the, to the best of my ability until yeah. I was told to do something else. Yeah. And so that's kind of how I look at every task or every challenge or you know, I'm not like a, I'm not a guru of any kind. I get mad. I get frustrated. I, I have road rage. Like you would not believe. Uh, I just really don't like bad drivers. Yeah. I love blinkers. I don't like yeah. bad drivers. So, yeah. I mean, you might, you might find a good home here in your aisle. There's a, um, there's a strong stereotype of local, local style driving. And I do confess that like, that is probably my worst, like a social habit is driving too fast. Cause I'm going like in these past three years, I'm going to meet my captain at three in the morning. So like the road is open, the road yeah. is yours. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in the summer here, we have a strong seasonal population that comes through. So it goes from like, I, my whole life I've grown up with the like uh, the five minute drive then takes 25 minutes, half hour. And in the summertime, like from your, what you're saying, the worker perspective, right. Of like, if you're the person working two jobs, which a lot of people are uh, and trying to get between the two of them, it's like, I understand the road rage at the same time. It's like, Oh, it doesn't feel good whenever I feel it. Like, gosh, it takes me a minute to cool down. And that's been something in the like, um, learning to control that for me in the fishing world. Like, I think you were, you were also saying in some of your writing about like that fighting might save you from yourself. And that's been the, that's been the experience for me with fishing is I came into fishing in a hard personal spot and through the sort of necessity of like telling Chris, like the, in the peak season, it's six day, six day a week, 12 hour days, like of being on the boat, like doing pretty fast paced stuff. And you're like, okay, like, I'm going to have to learn to edit out some of that, some of that ego, you know, like when I get, I would get so frustrated at myself when I would make little mistakes, right? Like I was telling, telling Chris, one of the main operations on the boat is to load this needle. It's like a little mini sword uh, with the bait. And then you're putting it on a string and, and you've got your needle free that you go reload over here. And I lost seven overside the boat in the first season. Like I don't like, I was having horrible grip, problems where like my hand was seizing up i wasn't really accommodated to the work yet and that embarrassment of like you know i co coming from a similar different but similar working background like i would say i was a bit lazier than you as a young person i was like being asked to work and finding ways to to get out of it um but uh, the embarrassment of like i just lost my boss's tool like Ooh, like and so i eat that cost right and i get to see the like the body cost of like not learning it's like oh i lost seven like okay it adds up i'm gonna like try to be a little more careful and like not get so angry at myself i don't know it's just been a i think that dynamic is what i'm what i was picking up on in your work and like and hearing you speak to a little bit and that like but i think also the transition out of fighting that i'm interested in is like you mentioned going away from like camp and training with your friends and like how that's something that like from the outside perspective from the like workaday perspective looking in at the fighter athlete right and that season is like it looks really appealing you're like you get to like eat what you want and like run around all day and like wrestle with your buddies and like yeah there's some hits but like that looks pretty fun 
you know? Oh, wow. Yeah. No, hey, I, I, I mean, what I, was no, the I get it. Because like, when, when, I, when I first started and I was looking in and I was thinking, like, like the biggest mistake I ever made was walking into an MMA gym the very first time and saying, I want to be a professional fighter. Do you know what kind of target that puts on your back? <laughs> When everybody in there is already a fighter and you're a meat bag yeah. with no skills. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I like I get what you're saying about the about the embarrassment thing. Yeah. Like that's just a man thing. That's just all like if you're a man and you screw up, there's a like there's a there's a thing inside you and you feel it and it's like a it's like somebody burning you with a uh you know an iron or something you're like oh shit I messed up like Ugh, I'm supposed to be a man I'm supposed to lead the way and like that's a uh, like you've got this you everybody in there in the back of their head is supposed to be the hero of their own movie mm. if you're not the hero of your own movie then you're like there's a there's a problem there. Mm-hmm. Like you need yeah. to start acting like the hero of your own movie to make yourself the hero of your own movie. Yeah. But that's, you know, as kind of like a masculinity thing, like you should have a picture of this, you know, thing that you want to be in the back of your head and you want to live up to that thing. And that guy doesn't make mistakes and that guy doesn't lose tools. And that guy doesn't, <laughs> you know, uh, I remember uh, the first time I ever, installed hardy board siding on a house it's planks of concrete it's really yeah. thin yeah i broke i broke don't t- carry them that way <laughs> yeah no you don't carry them at all you drag them because they snap when you pick them up and it took yeah. me four dollar boards before i learned that you don't pick them up yeah you know so forty dollars in to my first yeah. install you know oh god this is how you move hardy board yeah so i completely understand that and then you know, the thing, when you, when you make a mistake fishing and you lose something, you know, that really like, oh gosh, I, one is the embarrassment Two, you don't have that tool anymore. So now you're shorthanded on Correct. the <laughs> Correct. You know, uh, in, in fighting, you know, when we, when you make a mistake, like when I, I don't know, I don't lose a tool when I make a mistake, I lose my life. Mm-hmm. I, I get choked out. I have to tap out and say, Hey, you killed me, buddy. You win. You know, like that's cause the only thing that's going to make me tap out, the only thing that's going to make me stop is if you put me in a, a submission hold or, you know, something that puts me in danger where I cannot no longer continue to fight. Yep. When you can no longer continue to fight in the real world where there's no referees and there's no, uh, you know, uh, code of conduct, right? You're saying you got me, you killed me. I'm dead. Yeah. So when you make a mistake, you know, before it became a sport as a martial art, it's life and death. And if you go into, if you go into a fight with that mentality of like, this is actually a life and death thing, like, cause you can die. Like you can take a, uh, a wrong shot or you can fall or you can get slammed lots of things happen you know boxers die and they got big pillows on their hands mm-hmm. so you know yeah making mistakes you know that's kind of if that's ingrained in us to not want to make mistakes sure. even before we started 
uh, you know, working on fishing boats and stuff. Like when we were kind of evolving from the primordial ooze, you know, for a man to make a mistake was to get eaten by a tiger or was to fall off a cliff or you see what I'm saying? So as we've evolved, it's kind of ingrained in us to, to, to not want to make mistakes, whether you're a fighter or a fisherman or any, any man is yeah, yeah, with that's... a masculine mentality of, I have to protect my family. I have to like do, I have to be a man. I have to create an atmosphere for my children or my wife. I have to do these things. Right. And so, I mean, it's not really, it's not really something that you can just take out of a person because it's 2020 and yeah. you don't yeah. like the, the, the idea of it. I mean, if you, you could be a stay at home dad and not yeah. provide for your family at all, you're still going to have that, that inner desire to protect your children, to protect your wife, to protect your property, to do all these things that uh, you think in your, in your subconscious mind that a man is supposed to do. So I think that whether it doesn't matter who you are, you're going to, if you, if you screw up, you're going to feel bad about it. And, and the the thing is, is you've got to learn. It's, I'm reading this book called the subtle art of not giving a fuck Pardon my language. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the guys, you know, the author talks about like, Hey, you get stuck in this, this, this loop where you're like, Oh, I'm inadequate. Oh crap. I'm such a piece of crap for saying that I'm inadequate. Oh no, I'm a piece of crap for saying I'm a piece of crap. It's the feedback loop from hell. Now you're just stuck <laughs> in this loop where you're just a big piece of crap because you don't know what's going on. Yeah. You've got to, you've got to find, the exit ramp from that. Yep. You've yep. got to say, Hey, these are the things that I care about. These are the things that I don't care about. These are the things that I've learned from and let go. Uh-huh. These are the things that I learned from and hold on to. Yeah. 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 That's been, Oh, there's a lot in there that I want like so many directions. Um, one is the place of you were writing too about ego like ego not having a place in learning and i think when i think of those mistakes and that sort of like ingrained pattern and script that like i don't know where i learned it really but like i know it's not really helpful in learning like you have to be willing to make the mistake to learn at all like you can't you know if i stepped up if i was like if i was in your shoes like when you're starting out going into the fighting gym right someone would be like, okay, go hit that bag. And I would be like, oh, you're all watching? Like, I don't want to, I don't know when the last time I, like, don't, please don't. But you have to be willing to do it, right? And have to be willing to know that you're going to have a teacher there, right, who's not going to, like, hate on you for it. And that's, that was a dynamic with my, my captain is a pretty good, like, he's got a pretty good hold on his temper and his self, right? But, like, the, the, the stereotype right of that and the, the worlds that I hear about of peers is like the number of people in my position that are putting up daily with the captain that just wants to like yell and yell and yell it's like it doesn't work really on the other side of it or like maybe it works for some people but like I don't know what your experience was is with trainers or what but I just yeah I wondered if you could talk about that the like the ego yeah. relationship to to learning actually it's funny you know uh I've had, there's a guy you may have heard of him. If you watch the UFC, if you're any sort of fan of, a little of bit, the UFC, a little bit. Not, not uh, a there's, there's an old school Tell guy. Me who to watch. 
Tell me who's interesting. Oh, God. You know, nowadays, since I stopped fighting, I don't watch MMA anymore. I just get, it gets my blood pressure up and I'm sizing up everybody that's my size. <laughs> and I'm thinking about how I could kick this guy's ass. And I just need to stop and, and worry about cows, not fighting. Yeah. I hear you. So, I hear you. <laughs> um, when I was, when I was on uh, this, I was on this TV show called Fight Master. Okay. Uh, and I got to the opportunity to choose the coach that I wanted to work with, and I chose to work with Frank Shamrock. Okay. Because he's just man, he's a legend of the game. Um, yep. And he brought two coaches with him. One of those coaches was Maurice Smith. Okay. Mo Smith was the very first heavyweight, I think he was the very first heavyweight champion or the second heavyweight champion in the UFC. Okay. He is one of the greatest kickboxers on the planet. Uh-huh. Um, and I had the opportunity to work with him. The grappling coach was a guy named Clint. He's a guy named Clint in Seattle. He owns his own gym. Never heard of him before in my life. Um, I was so excited to work with Mo Smith. I could not, my coach was a big fan of his. I would just, it was crazy. So we go to, to do our first session together and I, I don't know what the hell this guy's talking about. Like we're on two totally different wavelengths. We cannot communicate at all. And it kind of broke my heart. I was so excited to work with this guy and I had, like he spent 15 minutes trying to explain to me the difference of how much weight you should ratio you should carry on your front leg and your back leg. And I just was totally lost in it. I, I just couldn't even pay attention to him. Uh-huh. Uh, the, on the other hand, Clint, the guy I had no desire to work with at all is someone who is now one of like the people that I look to as one of my tr- most trusted advisors in life. Oh, like, like I, if I have a dilemma that I just cannot figure out, I can ask Clint. Clint is very smart and his, his grappling background and just his, his mentality, everything that he, uh, his aura is just totally in line with mine. We're 100% on the same wavelength. Uh-huh. So um, as far as like working with coaches go, some coaches have a style that's all their own. And it works great for them. When you run into a student that has, uh, for example, my boxing coach that I worked with in Portland, his name's Andy Minsker. They made a movie, uh, a documentary about him called Broken Noses. He took like this ragtag bunch of kids from, um, where was it? Some, one of those little outer towns in Portland and took them to the like nationals, you know, (laughs) Uh, he was ranked number one in the U S the year I was born. Like this guy did it. Okay. And when I met him, we started working together and my boxing, like I stopped doing jujitsu because I fell in love with boxing. This guy is my, another one of those people who, if I don't understand what's going on, I look to Andy, Mm -hmm. you know, what would Andy do? What would Andy say right here? This is, you know, and so, you know, two absolutely world-class strikers. One, I was unable to get any knowledge off of at all. The mm-hmm. other one can do no wrong in my eyes because mm-hmm. we have the absolute same, like when I throw a punch, I want to try to put your lights out with every single punch. I don't want to throw rabbit punches and I don't yeah. want to throw this. I want to, I want to wreck stuff. 
with every punch. And Andy's style matches up with that. He puts you in the position to land solid punches on people that, that end the fight. You know, and I was just, you know, this thing with the boat captain. Some people, if you look at football players, you have to yell at football players and you have to call them babies and you have to grind them into the ground. You have to do that to football players. You go to the tennis team and you don't do that. You give them instruction. You tell them that their backhand needs to work on this. (laughs) <laughs> then you go over to the, the track team and the track team that it's, we're all different. We're, we may all be athletes, but we all, if you watch, if you go to the gym and you watch the girls volleyball team training together and you watch how they interact with each other, they're all Becky. Good job. You've got this girl. You watch the football team train together and it's come on, pussy, get over that thing. Go, go, go. It's and it, and it works in both situations because we're different people and we need different things. And the go, go, go guys are going to go to football and wrestling and that's what Mm. they do. And the people who tend to be a little, you know, less boneheaded tend to go for things like track and field and tennis and sports that are not banging their head against the ground or against other people. But the yeah. guys that do bang their heads together, they need somebody standing there yelling at them, driving them into the ground, making them work hard. Because if they don't, if nobody's doing that, they're, they're knuckleheads. They're just going to get in trouble. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think that's like, um, I don't know. I was thinking about when you were talking about the, which was the coach that gave you the 60-40 or like whatever. The oh, yeah, Mo, big Mo Smith. Yeah, yeah, Mo, and you couldn't get it. And that's like, I identify with that in the like um, the different, the individual style piece of it. And there was like, you know, when I was interested in, in wrestling and fighting, I definitely needed the coach who was going to like help me. Like it was, I found it most helpful to wrestle the coaches, right. Where they could like, they're just handling you. Right. And you're trying like anything, but they're demonstrating that there's like something you don't know yet. So you go ahead and like, get into that like worker self that thinks you can beat everything up and they'll tire you right out. And that like, that kind of containment is what I think about, but that same, like, and there's something to me that connects to the, to the worker piece of like, and thinking about so many of my peers and in the fishing world, like I think one reason some people gravitate to some of these trades is not because they're like, um, can't figure anything else out but like the learning style that's there of like i have to show you like how do you swing this hammer and you have to like sit with and work with a sledgehammer for a while before you understand like how it works with weight and that's where i look into the like fitnessy worlds now and see like okay there's this person with a sledgehammer on a tire and like that's feeling really cool for them you're like that's neat but like boat style like what about if you have to deliver that hammer blow and you're on your back and you like like you're having to generate force in in this way right and it's the like that's the kind of in between i guess i'm trying to suss out here in like realizing the place um that i think a lot of worker peers are coming from of like hating life and being told that they've chosen a stupid line of work and like hurting themselves through it and being like but where's the like where's the more fightery ethos of like, okay, like I've got this amount weight that I have to deal with today. How am I going to do this? Like, I don't know. I think, did you ever watch cool hand Luke? 
I've I haven't I've seen pieces okay, of it. It, it might be a fun one for you if you like if you like, like boxing and fighting and that that kind of thing. But there's a scene where they're having to spread gravel. Um, the like the whole inmate situation is having to spread gravel, and Paul Newman, Cool Hand Luke is like, "Come on, like let's like let's work right through it." And it's this like I don't know. It's a movie, obviously, but I get that I have connection with that to like some work days where you're like we have to move how much what like i was telling chris like the day for me starts on the fishing boat of like you're taking on about 1200 pounds herring right into these boxes like i gotta deal with them like and then through the day i'm gonna be like dosing them out into little pockets and you're just thinking about the whole stack of your day and being like that can be really overwhelming unless i think like you start finding it in the like athlete style thinking that's like okay like i want to get to my next break time i want to like beat my captain and like get faster than where he's able to go and like then i get more rest time like i remember thinking about that in sports world you're like okay like this is brutal but how do i get to the place you get to the top right and you take less of a beating is like is the lesson maybe i don't know I I think like focusing on perfecting the process Mm. is something that has always worked for me. Like I'm not going out there to win a fight. I'm going out there to do, to throw the best punches that I can throw Mm -hmm. out there. And and like, if you look at a fight as like, I don't know, I just feel like breaking things down has always helped me. Yeah. If you look at too big of a, like if, if you think about a, a fight, it's 15 minutes. Yep. Do you know how hard it is to exercise continuously for one minute straight? Yes. <laughs> I'll do that for 15. I like, know. So if, you, if you've done your cardio on the way to the fight, like you should, you know how exhausting 15 minutes of work is going to be. And if your training partners are worth a crap, they have put you through shark tanks where it's just you in the middle the whole time facing fresh guy after fresh guy after fresh guy. And so if you walk in the cage and you look at it and you go, shit, this is going to be 15 minutes of hell. Then you're going to psych yourself out and it's going to be really hard for you to throw the first punch. But when I walk, I look at it like, okay, I got to go do a warm up, and then I got to go do a walk. And then I, you know, I got to get through, the first round of the fight and in order for me to get through the first round of the fight, I've got to do, I've got to do the best I can with my punching and the best I can with my breathing and the best I can with my grappling. If I focus on just doing the best I can at mixing those three things together, the outcome is, is going to be the same. You, You understand like whether I win the fight or lose the fight is really irrelevant. It's, did I do a good job during the fight? And then you take that small broken down mentality and you expand it really big and you go, um, did I win life or lose life? Or did I enjoy life? You see what I'm saying? Because once you're, once you're done with life, you know, you don't know that you're done with life. It just ends. So you don't really have time to sit there and go, did I just win that or did I just lose that? So instead of focusing on the winning or the losing of life, I just focus on throwing the punches the best that I can. 
and yeah. breathing as good as, as, as like, I know I have to breathe the whole time. So I got to focus on that. Cause if I don't, I'm going to gas out and then I'm not going to be good at anything. Mm-hmm. So number one, focus on continuously breathing while you're breathing, try to land really good punches if you're going to throw them. And then if you get the chance to take this guy down and submit him, do it. If he takes you down, grab him. You know, like it's just, it's a contingency plan the whole time. So, hey, we're going to go out here and breathe. And eventually this guy's going to try to hit you and you got to move your head. Good job moving your head. Now try to hit this guy. You know, so you have to, you have to use your brain Yep. You can't be stuck in one position or one mode or one mentality at all times. You have to expand and contract. You have to push and pull and you have to think right and left. I have to give all I can give when I go to choke this guy, but I'm not going to give all I have chasing him across the mat to get the takedown. Right. To get the choke. Right. You see what I'm saying? Right. I yep. have to, I have to gauge these things and I have to, Fighting yeah. is like life. Like yeah. you can't just say, I'm only going to be a boxer. Well, you can't right. just, I'm only going to um, go to church. That's all I'm going to do in life. I'm just going to take the church and just do that. Like, no, yeah. you have to go to the store too. And you have to go <laughs> to the bathroom and you have to do, you have to do all the things in life. You can't just yeah. pick one thing and do that. You have to yeah. like balance. Yeah, that's yeah. really, that's kind of like my, my big blinking red light right now in life that I look to is balance. Like how can I balance? How can I balance between this, this complete uh, alpha dickhead that I, that I know lives inside of me and this like super soft, like I just pet kittens all day and just love everything. Like, cause both of these people live inside of me where I want, like, I understand when I see somebody get hit, you know, on the internet, I'm like, ha ha, that guy got hit. But at the same time, I'm like, oh gosh, man, that poor guy, like he's probably like hurt. He's going to have like a hospital bill. Like poor guy, like, oh, I feel so bad for him. But there's also that part of me that's like, nah, you got hit, you know? So I think that honestly is refreshing, Mike, to me. And like, I, I feel like I navigate the world of, of men in this piece, whether it's in like the working world or wherever, where it's like either the super new agey guy that like I've learned a lot from and I've met friends with, but like that like doesn't have like won't admit, I guess, to that that piece of the like that whatever that primal piece might be. And then the other side that's like, oh, I feel like I'm pinballing between like the person who's like, you know, really into the fact that they got into a into a scrap before the day of fishing in the store buying their cigarettes and be like, I mean, I'm happy for you, but it sounds like that was an ineffective way to like figure out whatever you were trying to figure out. Like, and like, I can't imagine going through a 12 hour work day, like having taken one, like that sounds terrible to me. I have no interest in that. Like I take enough bumps and bruises in my work day. Thank you. And that's, yeah, it's just really refreshing to hear that honesty of like, cause I do. And I think about that in the, like the dynamic of the kind of like, um, the kind of work that you're that I'm doing on the fishing boat and what it is like physiologically, if you're like working that amount weight and you're like, or like in the training cycle that plays into your hormonal balances. And like, I'm not an expert in that terrain, but it does 
playing in. Like I notice a definite difference through the season for me of like, you know, I get to the down, like it's different than cutting weight for fighting. Right. But like try as hard as I can throughout the whole season in just the two that I've done, I've gone from like 200 down to 170 ish over the course of the season. And that change as you were, when you were talking about the cutting of weight of like how that does change your psychology around it a little bit. And you're like, I can feel that like string tightening up as the season goes on. Right. And as the heat goes on, like here we are in the middle of August and like, Oh, this is fun. Like super fun to just sweat it out in a full, like that's the work guard for fishing is basically a like weight cutting suit. You're in a plastic overalls and like, I'm a baby about the sun. Like I burn like crazy. So I've got a hood up the whole day. And like, I don't know. That was one of the, one of the like conscious training moments last year was like, even though it's getting hot, I'm going to keep this sweatshirt on and like keep this sweatsuit on and manage my water. Cause I know I can manage my water, but if I get cooked outside, like, I don't know what your ranch experience is. It, it doesn't work with me very well. Uh, it's last October. You know, nice, cool October. I had a heat stroke in Tampa. Yeah. Um, yeah, like full on, like complete body cramped up, like had to go to the hospital, IVs, like Ooh. bad, bad heat stroke. Um, yeah. And so like having spent so much time in the sauna and, ha you know, like I know what I'm capable of. So I didn't have any idea that complete shutdown was on its way. You know, I got a cramp and I was just like, yeah, that's just part of it. No big deal. We'll just drink some water. I've got some electrolytes in the truck and I'll just, you know, mix some into my water. No big deal. After two days of no big deal, you know, of, of just being like, oh, it's fine. Like, don't worry about it. It'll, it'll be okay. Like not really addressing the situation like I should, you know, full on heat stroke. So while I applaud the, you know, the toughness and like, Hey, I'm just going to stick it out. You, you also need to like kind of be careful when it comes to the heat, when yeah. it comes to like, you know, sure. sweating out. Like, cause I've had people, you know, I've been helping people cut weight in a sauna before and they just drop. And then if you just drop on a fishing boat, you know, if your head hits that side rail or you go over or you get hooked in the, in the peck with a big needle, like, man, yeah. that's, you know, that's, no, not that's a, I think that's, that's been the, like, that's part of what I'm saying is the, like, finding, I didn't really, I was in a hard personal spot and didn't really want to be around too well. And finding fishing, like, was sort of a necessity to get back in the body in that way and figure out those management pieces. For me, like, that was actually, that's been part of the dynamic is, like, I step on, like, you're coming into the fight room, you don't have a clue of what's going on. I step on the fishing boat, I don't have a clue. And like trying to learn, as you're saying, like, give me the thing to do, I'll do it as best I can, then what's the next thing. And for a while, that keeps my brain occupied and keeps me out of some of those like, rage spots. And then I learn better what I'm doing. And now I have more time to think. And it's like, and it's that kind of back and forth of like, all right, how am I going to keep my brain brain occupied to either get the like, not win, right, and not focus on that, but like, is there a new way that I can do this with less energy? What's the what's the way that I can can win that game way too? You're, it's like you're looking to, to be more efficient and more productive, and right. I totally get that because uh, in this and uh, in, in what I do now, you know, uh, one of the things I have to do is I have to go up to the plant that makes some of our equipment and mm -hmm. 
<clears throat> I have to assemble certain pieces of equipment. We have these things, they're, they're sliding gates. We call them block doors. Okay. Uh, and basically when you're separating cattle from each other so that you can give them shots or get them loaded up on a trailer, you put them in this alley and yep. you can put so many in each section of alley, but you want to keep them separated for the most part so they don't hurt each other inside those sections. Yep. Uh, well, you know, it's like a, it's a process to put those together. And when I first started doing this, my father-in-law said, you know, my record is seven block doors in one day. And I was like, okay, great. You know, and so <laughs> uh, I went up there and my only, my only mission in life from that moment on was to build more than seven block doors in one day because I absolutely had to do more than he did because I'm better than he is because I'm better at production because that's my ego biting me in the ass. Uh, but my record is 13 and three hours. So what? yeah, 13 and three hours because yeah. I am production minded. I, when I, when I show up, I get all the rollers out and I fix all the rollers. Then I take all the frames over and I church up all the frames and then I start the assembly. And once I start the assembly, it goes like chocolate melting on a hot piece of, you know, metal. It just goes yeah. so quick because yeah. I did the thing. I, I staged everything up and I went through the proper production procedures to make my work easy and fast. Yeah. And so yeah. you can, if you, what you have to do, that's what you're trying to do. That's like, you're talking about hitting the sledgehammer on the tire, but I don't have to hit a tire. I have to lay on my back and hit the yeah. floorboards because I'm underneath the house or yeah. I'm on a fishing boat and I have to sway yeah. side yeah. to side while I'm hitting upwards. You know, that's <laughs> right. you, you know, when I uh, was, when I used to remodel houses, when I first uh -huh. learned how to shrimp, which is a jujitsu move where you yeah. push yourself away from your opponent, laying on the ground yeah i would shrimp from one side of a house to the other side of the house underneath uh -huh. it putting insulation in the floorboards or spreading plastic over the ground i would shrimp all day long right. and i tell you what there's nobody but nobody that's better <laughs> at shrimping than i am so yeah that's just you know i found something and applied it that i really enjoyed you yeah. know, jujitsu. I really enjoy jujitsu and I want to be good at it. So I'm going to spend as much time as I can getting good at jujitsu, but I also have to work. Right. So how can I apply jujitsu to my work? Yep. And then I'm really good at this thing at work. How can I apply that to my jujitsu to make me better yeah. at that as well? Yeah. And so it all comes back to that big red blinking light that says balance. Yeah. Yeah. yeah what yeah. are you going to like? Be the be strong, but also be flexible, but also be caring, but also stand up for yourself. Take no shit. Give no shit. Like you have all these <laughs> different directions that you have to find balance in. Yeah. You know, you kind of got to you got to figure your shit out, you know, and to yeah. do that, you need more than one thing. You need to be able to take fishing and use it to learn how to do this and then use doing this to make your fishing better and then yep. bring in this third thing and it will make both of those things better. And those things will make that thing better. And that's, that's kind of like relationships with people. Like your life would be really crappy if you just had you by yourself all the time. 
But right. when you incorporate other people in, now you have conversations and other ideas and like this group, like if yeah. we were all just, if we were all just like, Hey, bicep curls every day for the rest of our lives. Like, how <laughs> I don't, dumb would that be? Right. Yeah. But we yeah. have people who think who go, Hey, what if you put that weight down and turn your hand over the other way? And okay, now you're doing something totally different. But what if yeah. instead of pulling the weight, you push the weight yeah. and, and now we have, you know, so many different, um, we have balance. I mean, yep. really, but at the same time, you've got these, these pinhead people that go, this is the only way. No, this is the only way. No, this is the only way. Why are there so many ways if there's only one way? Why are there so many roads if there's only one place to go? I hear you. There's hear so you. many places that you can go. All you yep. have to do is go. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, back, just stepping back to just a minute ago when you were talking about the importance of these kind of relationships and conversations, like I only just met Chris a couple weeks ago in terms of reaching out and being like, exactly this. I was sitting here and having these kinds of conversations with some peers and not, not like not having that, uh, the compatibility that I'm finding here, right? Like some different directions, like not, not sliding those conversations at all but not this sort of like, Oh, that's cool. Like, tell me more sort of like, ah, like I don't have time for that. I want to open another beer. I want to whatever. And being like, okay, like, I don't know. I just, I like to think about this and I want to like both make my work experience easier and less injurious to myself just because I want to do other stuff when I'm not at work, like besides take care of myself. And yeah. I want that for other people too. Like I'm looking at the really radical way that like, you know, here on this island, um, there's like, there's not a doctor accepting new patients, right? So I'm like, I'm sitting here in the midst of COVID with that as a medical reality, right? Like I took myself off insurance because it was better for me to spend that money seeing a physical therapist when I needed care than to not be able to make an appointment, you know? And so that's the like, that's what's amazing about finding this specific group. And then also this like mobility, movement, wellness, like, Oh, it's people coming from so many different backgrounds, um, but able to do this. And that's what like, it was a challenge to myself. Of, like I submitted something to share for writing to Chris and she was like, Oh yeah, let's do it. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to put myself out there. Then as soon as I did was like, Oh, read about this guy, Mike. Oh, Oh, he's got this like back and forth that I'm interested in. I want to reach out and see if he wants to talk. And like, that's scary for me, right? Like man wise, as you were talking about, like being the dude who goes into the party and is like, uh, I'm excited about something. Like, I don't know. I want to talk with my feelings. And like, I don't know if that's true for you, but like, it's pretty hard to get like, especially new person. Like this has been awesome to talk with someone who I'm totally fresh new to but be able to go back and forth like this. So I don't know. Thank you, Chris. Chris, I guess. Chris are there any other fighters in the group? Um, so there's a, a BJJ person, um, Margo Ciccarelli, who is like competes, um, but I don't think there's any, any others. Um, but she's very much on that line of like artist athlete, like, and is out there about it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I, and I thank you kind of for, um, that's the point. The point of all of this was to be like, hi, and it's been so lovely to just sit here and not have to intervene and just like literally watch this interaction and this kind of almost like this premiere that's happening. Um, 
So did you have thoughts on like getting the fighters together or something, Mike? No, well, I'm just kind of making a point as to what he was just saying. Like, this is not normal for yeah. guys to do. Like, especially guys in a more, um, I don't really know, like, I don't want to say alpha, like we're better than other people, but like this alpha mentality, like fighters, you know, like, like, um, you know, if I can't get, if I can't get over it, I'll just get through it, you know? And so for guys, especially guys who, like you were saying before, you, you learn a lot from the, from the new agey kind of guys, but at the Go same ahead. time, like, you know, they, they don't, they don't have that, that sense of, of like fortitude or that like uh, the d discipline. I don't, I don't know what the word is or the, the, the thing is that I'm looking for. Well, it's I don't, just, yeah, I don't either. I, you know, I'm not trying uh, to insult anyone. This like, Cro-Magnon mentality or whatever that, that tells me like, oh, beat my chest and and ego, just just ego. It is, yeah. I guess it's that's what it is. You know, this, this strong driving ego and pride that you absolutely must have if you want to be good at anything. If you want to be good at something in any way, you have to say, I want to be good at this. I'm going to spend my time working on this thing, like, because I care about it. And I, you could yep. say that ego is caring about things probably more than you should care about things, you know, because yeah. our ego makes us care about how much hair we have and <laughs> does our skin the right color. And, you know, my toenails are, Oh no, I got fungus on my toenail. Like I don't want anybody to ever see that, you know, like those are things that like, that's so, that's so crazy. That's your ego. That's your ego caring about things that mean absolutely nothing. It yeah. is the love of uselessness. <laughs> I mean, is that, really, is, that like, a, is that a Mike, Mike original? Is that, um, I've what? never heard that before. The, the love, love of uselessness. uselessness? Yeah. I just, yeah, I guess so. I just, I like it. I'm going to carry that with me. Holy cow. I mean, if you, if you think of it like, so one year ago, I was completely opposite of what I am right now. Okay. I was, I was mentally and physically unhealthy. Mm. I was doing the same job, same people, same circumstances, except I was fat. I was 250 pounds. I'm 185 right now. Um, I was borderline suicidal. I, I was on the phone with my, my girlfriend, my wife, Maggie, and I told her I was thinking about driving the truck off the interstate bridge. Mm. I was miserable. I hated everything in my life one year ago today. And then um, I, I knew that I had to get back into jujitsu. I knew that like I, what had happened was I went to a jujitsu school here where I live and I trained there one time and I said, you know what? These guys are not on my level. So I didn't train anymore for a year because of my ego saying that these guys were not as good as me. I got worse at jujitsu because of they weren't good enough. Do you see what I'm saying? I do. And by I me do. not doing jujitsu, I, I got very fat and unhealthy. And when I started to get unhealthy and fat, guess what I started to do then? I started to drink a lot every day 
I was driving my truck down the road when I got pulled over by a Texas state trooper with a Corona bottle in my hand. Yeah. So like it's, it's a, it's a downward spiral for me if I stop taking care of myself. The thing that changed everything was, you know, instead of driving my truck off that interstate bridge, I had reached out to these guys at 10th planet, a jujitsu school here. And I had an appointment to go see them when I got back into town. And so my, uh, my, my need to not miss an appointment saved my life. Um, and then getting, you know, back into the gym where I didn't know anybody, this is a whole new crowd. I don't know any of these guys, but they know me because I've been on national television. So I'm walking in with a target on my back. I've got all these young studs that just want to kill this old lion that just walked into the gym. You see what I'm saying? And so, and I, and I'm fat and I'm unhealthy and I haven't trained in a year. So my ego just got brutally mushed to pieces when I showed up at the gym. And that's exactly what I needed. The reason I needed that was because I wanted to be better than my father-in-law at his game. I wanted to be better than, you know, everybody else at, at this. And I wanted, I wanted to be the top dog in this new field that I wasn't the top dog in. And it was driving me down into the ground. It was killing me. And it was just ego. It was me wanting to, me loving uselessness. What's the point of me being better than the, the guy that created the game? Yeah. There's, that's useless. Yeah. I'm supposed to be here to learn how to do this so I can take it over. I, I, if I want to compete with somebody, it's not the guy that's giving me the reins to the, to the cart. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So the ego that I had as a fighter bled over into my life, you know, and I had to beat that ego back through fighting. I had to find fighting again to kill the ego that was ruining my work life. So it's all so intertwined, you know, your balance. Yeah. Yeah. Balance, you know, between, between the, the killer in me and the kitten in me, there's, there's gotta be that balance and, and killing your ego is the, is the first step, the biggest, most crucial step to whatever you want to do. If you want to be a writer, if you want to be a fisherman, if you want to be a fighter, you've got to first crush that ego and say, I know nothing about this. Where do I start? The other thing that you have to realize is you're not, there is no magic pill. There is no three easy steps to becoming a master at anything. If you want to be a master fisherman, you just got to put in the reps. You got to put in the reps. You got to show up every single day and put in your 10,000 reps and get to where you establish yourself. And then when you want to get better, you got to put 10,000 reps in on getting better. And then you got to put 10,000 reps in on getting better. And so. Yeah, Yeah, that's, I think that that's the place that I'm finding is the in between is like, cause reality is like the, there was a huge fishing boom here that started in the early two thousands and it's cooked along. Okay. Uh, but I'm entering the game late, late, right? Like it's fish are crazy. They, they do other things. They have their own plan and we, we like to go get them all. Um, I don't know what's happening. You know, if I was, 
if people here in town were hearing me talk like this, they'd be like, Shh, there's lobsters here forever. Don't like, and I'd be like, well, I don't know. Yeah. They've been around true. forever, man. Yeah. They, I mean, have, but like, we're pretty good at catching things up or we're good at catching the bait up, but whatever. The point is I'm finding the game to be that like, holy cow, I ego killing, ego crushing for me has looked a lot like whack-a-mole of like, I thought I did it. And like, I'm learning, like I'm never done with that game. That thing is going to like pop up. I mean, that's what you spoke to in your writing that again, like drew me out. It was like, yeah, it's, Oh, there it is. Like, Oh, there's another one. Like, ah, like, okay okay like yeah, your ego is is it's like uh you know it's like when you it's like graduating high school right when you're a kid you think that's the end we did yeah. it we graduated yeah. but then you realize oh shit, i gotta get a job now i gotta like now it gets harder and that's what killing your ego is like it's gonna get like it doesn't get easier to kill your ego it yeah. actually gets harder because once you kill one piece of your ego another piece grows and says, huh, look what I did. I can beat ego yeah. anytime I want. You yeah. see what I'm saying? And so it's a constant battle. And as yeah. the ego gets beat down, the ego grows. And so it's like a balloon. You can push down in one spot, but it's going to come up in the other spots. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. ego is not, it's not a thing that can just be squished down one time. It, like I said, it's like a water balloon. If you put pressure here, <laughs> And, and push down, it's going to come up around you. And so that balance thing where you just yeah. get on top and don't sink too far in one direction, you mm. just stay balanced on top and keep that ego at a, at a working level mm -hmm. because you have to have some You ego. do. You do. And that's, I think that's, yeah, for the fishing piece for me, like part of it was just finding ego was like, that's something I found in that, like, it's cold, it's wet. I'm like stuffing like piles of dead fish into bags like this is horrible like this is just the worst i mean like well okay like here you are you you're gonna have to like this part to get to the next part and then yeah, you, like, you found out that it's the worst now what are you gonna do with it like yeah and that's actually i think that's a funny um that's a funny metaphor that i think a lot about here in in the lobstering world because like we hear about like rock bottoms and hard bottoms and like that sort of thing here rock bottom means there might be big lobsters like that there might be big lobsters and you fish them and it might be hard on your gear and you might need a smaller boat to get in but there's an interest in the rock bottom and the hard bottom and i think i draw a parallel into the like fighting world of like uh some of those more destructive tendencies in my past right like part of the reason i was going in there part of the reason i wanted that head knocking was i don't know i was trying to feel and find something and I, there were probably better ways to do it, but I, I respect the part of me that was searching, you know, and that's, so I'm, I'm glad I don't have to search through, like, I, I've been playing around learning to juggle a little bit and I clocked myself pretty good in the head and that was enough for me for recently. It was like, I don't, I'm pretty good with like, not, not taking strikes to the head right now. That's good. I learned yeah. to juggle, uh, for a, from a guy that was doing Z health with me when I was training and I still do. I, I juggle tennis balls though. Cause I don't want to get hurt, but yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, what's it's funny is, uh, yeah, I don't, I lost my train of thought there. 
that's all right that's all right i mean and that but that's i think one more point that i like when i think about the parallels to the fitness world of like i hear people talking about like why juggle why do that that doesn't make any sense and i think about it from a worker perspective and it's like why juggle because like whoa there's the boat and the thing like went out of your hand and you got to go get it and like if you don't have that skill you don't have that thing <laughs> like so it's i don't know just keeping it keeping it keeping it within the everyday i guess and like that's the way that i find fun in it is like if i don't have tracking movement patterns and like learning to refine them wherever i am then those ego chains then those like self-destructive chains they're they're right there you know so it's like just just keeping keeping on learning like yeah it's easy it's easy for you to fall back into what's comfortable and what's comfortable for you is you know, for all of us is to just to be lazy and, and be comfortable. Like that's comfort is comfortable, but comfort <laughs> is a cage Yeah. because if you don't get outside of comfortable areas, you don't understand, you don't know what you're capable of. Like, did you know that you could stand on a moving boat before you got on a moving boat? No, right. it's not right. comfortable. It's right. very scary. And yeah. what, that's like one of the people are like for the whole time I was fighting, people like, why, why do you fight? Why, why do you get in that cage and let them lock you in there? Why do you do that? Because it scares the shit out of me. And it lets me know that I am still alive. I am a human and I am alive and I have a pulse and I am scared right now. And this is the scariest thing I can imagine is being locked into a cage with another human being that knows how to kill me and wants to try to do it. Right? Is there anything worse than that? So... <laughs> You have that information. What are you going to do with it? Mm-hmm. Well, so for me, fighting started off, um, you know, the idea came as like, you know, I've, I've been fighting in bars and parking lots and stuff. Like, why not get paid for it? Like, I super, super chromat, like super laughing at people that get hit, like real asshole, mm. like just young Mike, you know? And so you know, why not get paid for fighting? Like, instead of getting in trouble for it, just go get paid to do it, you know? And so, like, it, I guess, like, you know, they say uh, necessity is the mother of all invention or whatever. Like, I didn't have a job at the time. I saw that people were on TV making money for fighting. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a good idea to me. Mm-hmm. And so I got in a cage. I went to a gym and I was like, hey, put me in a cage. I didn't realize that it was going to take, you know, once you join a gym, they're not just going to let you go and represent them in a fight with you have right. no experience. You right. have to train for a year. They right. have to approve you. Then there's the state, the state commission. They have to say, yes, you're healthy enough to fight. You've got to get eye exams and the physicals and like, holy cow, you have to pay money to do this. Yeah. And you have to have so many amateur fights before you can go professional and actually make money. So now yeah. you have, this is an investment now. I, I went into this thing thinking I was going to make money. Uh, this, I thought it was going to be a job. No, it's actually work. It's actually costing me money to do this. But what happened was I felt alive. Mm-hmm. When somebody was choking me mm-hmm. and I thought that I might die, I knew I was alive. Mm-hmm. And so knowing there's the possibility that you could die makes you feel alive 
It lets you know that you're not dead because there's the chance that you could die. So having that constant, having that like to me is refreshing. That's why I enjoy getting in there with a bull. That's why I enjoy getting in there and fighting in a cage and still going and doing jujitsu. And like these young bucks that are coming up now can like, they've got speed and stamina and strength and youth. And I'm the old lion, you know, I'm like, I'm just, I got a couple tricks up my sleeve, but you know, there's going to come a day where I'm not, the tricks aren't going to work anymore. You know, they're just going to be beating me up. Right. Well, that, and that's something that I think is like a little bit lost in some of the like hype of it. And I know there's hype of it for a reason. I know UFC, MMA is business, like, but lost, I think like every time I get to the end of the fight, right. And I'm not like, like I said, UAG, but like when the fucker, when the, when the hiders, when the fighters are hugging it out, sorry to slip it up. is like, that's the part, especially now in this moment where I feel like we need like that's kind of where I want to start is like you want to you want to care for your fighting partner because you want to roll with them again you want to like you want to yes you want to kill each other in the map but you don't really want to kill each other like you do but the kitten is still there right yes. and that's the, like that's the thing of like I don't know training that I think and looking at when I'm looking at younger people whatever whether they're like fishing young folks and like however they're taking care of themselves I was telling Chris I had an experience of coaching basketball a couple of years ago and I had no idea what I was doing. I was like, I needed a job. I needed money. I, I had no idea. But the, the amount that they wanted, the amount that they wanted to scrap with each other and, and having to be like, no, like don't cause this is basketball and that's not how it works. Um, but also thinking in the back of my head, like how rad if there was like the fighting basketball team where it's like in practice, yeah, we fight. And then we play ball. Like, I don't know. That, and that's the kind of, like, inventive thing that I see happening in these, like, think movement and in the, like, movement mobility worlds that, like, organized sport over here is, like, no. Team sports are clean and fun. And you're, like, yeah, but look at all the jersey pulling. Look at all the, like, how much people want to, like, people are looking for that tactility, right? And, like, maybe they think they want to get it through uh, getting choked. But maybe they want to get it just like, I don't know. That's what I mean about like wrestling the coaches, right? Was like that feeling of like, I can do whatever I want with my whole something. And this person is just like calm as can be. They're there. Like, <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd much rather um, <clears throat> roll or, you know, spar with the highest level guy in the room than the lowest level guy in the room. And it's mm-hmm. not, you know, the reason is, is because the highest level guy in the room is not going to hurt me. The lowest right. level guy in the room is going to hurt me. Yeah. And it's because the guy with the lowest training doesn't know how he's going to hurt me. He's right. going to accidentally hurt me through his clumsiness or you see what I'm saying? Or he's going to get, he's going to go too hard on a submission and he's going to hurt me because he didn't know where to stop. Whereas yeah. with the black belt, with the professor, you know, he knows exactly how much pressure he's applying because he's done it a hundred million times. He knows the difference between a neck crank and a choke. There's a totally different thing. When you start cranking somebody's neck, you're hurting their spine. When you choke somebody, you're cutting off their air or their blood and their carotid arteries to their brain. Very rarely are you choking somebody through their airway. That's just like, how long can you hold your breath? Everybody can hold their breath that long. Why would you try to cut off somebody's air? You don't. You cut off their blood. So 
a clean choke is cutting off both carotid arteries and then they just slowly fall asleep because they don't have any blood going to their brain. But a neck crank, that's where you take somebody's spine and you hurt it. You crank it out of alignment. Yeah, and I so, guess that's what I mean. It's like in the as everyday, a good, yeah. As a good just training in the partner, world, like, yeah, sorry. As a, as a good training partner, I'm not gonna neck crank my training partners. However, if you and I are competing, I will neck crank the shit out of you because I wanna win. Yeah, and that's what you take on. That's that's what you take on when you're consenting to the fight. Like, yes. and that's I think what's lost a little bit. Um, and I don't, I don't know. It's like in the everyday sense, right? That's the like, that's the guy that I'm trying to tap into. It's like you're saying the person who's coming up at you uh, that doesn't know any better in the gym, and then you're thinking about like the you from before who's like getting after people to get in that fight and being like that's the person that when i encounter that person now in my life of trying to feel like what's the right response in those out of ring out of wherever scenarios when you're trying to de-escalate the thing that you're seeing happen and be like i so, don't know what the right man thing to do is there but i do know i don't want anyone to get hurt here like you want you want to know what works really really great with aggressive assholes sure mirroring mm. mirroring mm -hmm. when someone is getting super aggressive like hey you want me to kick your ass kick my ass the last one to three words of something that someone says or the important one to three words of something that someone said works extremely well with aggressive people because mm. it makes them slow down and think and usually aggressive people are not very good thinkers so it slows mm. them down even more Mm -hmm. mirroring like if your boss comes in and says hey i want you to make two copies of everything that we did today and you go i'm sorry two copies you're not saying why but you're saying why now yeah. he has to explain himself now yeah. this aggressive guy that just came through and burr, 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 he has to take a step back and explain well i want one copy for me and i want one copy for the customer one for the customer you're saying the customer asked for a copy. See, now he's, he's having to slow down and think and, and actually talk and process things. It's called mirroring. And I yeah. learned it from an FBI negotiator and it works great. Yeah. 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 Super I think aggressive people yeah. always mirror what they say. The last yeah. one to three words. Mm -hmm. If I come at you with an aggressive statement, mirror that it will make me stop. Oh, wait a second. He said something. I have to respond to that thing. What did he say? Okay. You're, you're basically, you're saying why, but you're not saying why, because why is an accusation in any language. Mm -hmm. yeah. If you ask your boss I, I or your friend yeah. why, when they tell you something, it's going to be like an attack. Yeah. But if you just I, mirror what they say, you're asking why without asking why. And you slow everything down. I think to kind of bookend this like lovely conversation and, and kind of to wrap it up maybe no no it's been it's been excellent um I, I I've loved it but I almost like a like we could go on forever but then it's one of those things like to me <laughs> so we could always have part twos but I, I guess like a, a central circular question would be kind of like right now in this male ego thing and the question for both of you how do you identify and interact with risk? 
So if I were to kind of, if I were to start that off with, with Mike, right? Looks like young Mike, let's go get it. Let's see what happens now. And I'm not sure how old you are. No. <laughs> how, how, how do you, how do you, I guess, analyze and interact with the risk in this time and place? Um, you know, it's weird. Uh, I think about this movie called Big Fish where this kid gets to see the way he's going to die. He gets to see his future and he gets to see the way that he's going to die. And something that he says in that movie is, well, I've seen how I'm going to die. So I know that I can do anything else except for that and get away with it because that's how I'm going to die. So at some point I just chose how I was going to die and then decided that nothing else was going to take me out. So when it comes to risk, they're really, I, I don't gauge things in risks. I just, like, if it looks like fun, do it. Uh, well, the thing that I have now as, as you know, older Mike is just keeping myself in check morally. Like, that looks like fun. Go do it. Is that going to hurt somebody else? Or if everybody else did this, what would the effect be? Because, like, you know, walking on the grass may look like fun. But if we all decided to walk across the grass, we'd kill the grass and there'd be no more grass. So now my life is less about risk assessment and more about like making sure I'm not harming anyone else with my wild and uh, outlandish risk taking ways, you know, like risk taking it. I mean, it's, what is, what's going to happen? You're going to fall down. You're going to get hurt. You get back up. Like I've broken bones. They put a cast on it. It healed. I'm not scared of breaking bones. I caught on fire when I was 15. Didn't kill me. So I'm not scared of catching on fire anymore. I've fallen through a frozen pond, you know, when I was eight or nine. That didn't kill me. So it's not so much, like I said, it's not so much how do I assess risk because if it looks fun, I want to do it. Jumping off things is fun. Like, um, you know, skateboarding looks like so much fun to me but I am the worst skateboarder on the planet. I cannot even stand on a skateboard when it's still. So when it comes to that one thing, I just don't do it. But anything else, I'll try it as long as I'm not uh, hurting anyone else or I'm not doing something that if everyone else did it, it would cause there to be a problem. Awesome. Rufus. Yeah. Um, I. I don't know. I, before I answer my own answer, I got to just echo the, like the two parts that I've heard from, from Mike of just like that, the earlier part of open admission of like the, the kitten and the, the whatever else, I don't know what, what else you said, like admitting that they're both there. Right. And then like that strong conviction of like, I am not choosing to hurt someone else in this, in this moment, in this place. That's not my role. That's not my place. That feels like a really important, important piece that like, I think for me, my own risk is like, I had so little awareness as a young person. Like we had different experiences, but like a lot of what you were saying, I can abs I had a mixed, mixed family, like back and forth between parents' houses. Dad's house was different than mom's house. Like I just, I didn't spend a lot of time developing, I think awareness of risk very well. Like I grew up in a little bit of risky scenarios and like just normalized a lot of risk. And then 
I don't know, just like found myself. I feel like I fell through the first huge part of my life, just kind of like, oh, like it's over here. And then like, oh, what's this is scary. Like, oh, I gotta go over there. And so now that it's come into the like, into the conscious place, right? Where it's like in the, and the nuts and bolts of fishing has given me that to like, uh, you know, like you were saying, like you fall on the boat, like this is gonna, everything on the boat wants to hurt you. Like everything is moving and everything is sharp and everything is hard and you learn to like mitigate that. And uh, that's the like, you just, ex I guess I'm coming to the place of like accepting that it's a natural part of the world is risk. If you want to do something other than pet your kitten uh, on the bed, which is like, it's nice, it's awesome. It's really restorative to your soul it's there's a lot more to life and the like that piece of trying to figure out like yeah physical risk like that thing skateboards are still fun to me like i love balance games like that but like i said it's like when i'm out there and like trying to learn to juggle and what i'm trying to learn to juggle are these i was telling chris about them like they're the bottoms of the lobster traps they're called trap runners so it's like a I don't know a piece of a picket fence like two inches like piece of oak though and so you're you're four foot long chunk of something and i'm trying to learn to like juggle and spin those so when that's like coming into me i'm aware of like oh if i'm getting on the boat tomorrow i don't want to work this skill to where i'm hurting myself i want to push that edge that risk edge really slowly in a way that feels like when young rufus looks at it he's like you come on like push it and older Rufus is like I don't know I've gotten enough like bad splinters and like I've dealt with black eyes and like I don't that's not going to help me in my work day tomorrow in my work day I need to show up to my captain to the boat like ready to go and that's the like I think it's prioritizing a little bit of like I want risk I want that taste absolutely but I also want to be like waking up in the morning, like feeling ready for those multiple hours. If that's where I'm, if that's where I'm headed. Um, it's funny that you say yeah. that uh, because along those lines, uh, I, my very first MMA fight, I lost. This guy got mm. me in a choke that I'd never seen before. Mm -hmm. So uh, that, that was on a Saturday night. The next Monday I went to the gym and I went to my coach and I said, Hey, would you do me a favor? And he said, yeah. And I said, would you choke me out? And he didn't understand. He was like, what? Why? And I said, I want to know. I want to know exactly what time I have. Like from the, like, I want to know. I want to, like, do you know what happens when you go to sleep from a choke? It just goes black. It closes down in on you. Like, it's kind of like the cable went out, you know, it just shuts down. And then you go into like a dream state where you think you're sitting on the couch watching TV, but then all of a sudden you wake up and you're back in a gym. And I had him do that to me because I needed to see how far I could go before I would actually go out. I needed to know how long could I be in that choke because nothing hurt me more than, than tapping out. Those, the moment of just saying, you got me. Hurt more than any anything ever, more than any punch in the face, more than any kick in the nuts, more than anything ever, it hurts to tap out. And so I wanted to know what what's the most dangerous thing? The most dangerous thing is going to sleep. Well, put me to sleep. And then I woke up and I was fine. And so I realized that this is how far I can go before I need to tap out. This is how much I can take.
before I have to say stop. And the same thing for you. If you figure out what your, what your breaking point is, how, how long can I fight this before I go to sleep is what you need to know. So that when you're out there, you can fight as long as you can without giving up and, and creating the most painful thing you can ever feel, which is giving up, right? Mm-hmm. Or the other most painful thing you can feel, which is going out. Mm-hmm. You know, or you going yeah. out is much worse than me going to sleep on a soft mat, right? right. You go out, you go off the boat or whatever happened. You know what I'm saying? So, sure. so you want to find that point between the worst pain in the world and going to sleep. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Because, yeah. I mean, and that's in everything. Not just in fishing, but in everything in life. I need to know how far can I go? You know, what is the, what is the, uh, the, the zone that I can operate in where I feel like I gave my all, but I didn't die? Balance. Yeah. Perfect recap. Well, guys, we should do this again. This was really, really excellent. Um, I've just met Rufus and I know, um, Mike, I've known you for a bit, but we haven't had too many like down deep conversations and it was just excellent. So uh, I really appreciated this. This is, yeah, maybe we'll do a a part two on a, on a different kind of vein and topic, but it was awesome. Sure. I really appreciate it. All right. Well, <laughs> any closing words, Chris, that you want to say or Mike? Or... Um, just, just thank you. Um, it's interesting as a, as a female listening to you and I'm definitely on like, you know, the masculine side of the female. Um, but it was just interesting again to hear males talk because I don't. And if, you know, if we kind of did this like spectrum, you know, there would be in general, there'd be like manly Mike, Right. And then there's, you know, an actual female and then Rufus, Rufus is in this kind of like, you know, this sensitive um, artist who's trying to understand the world in this nice middle. So um, I just really appreciated uh, being witness and then again, being exposed to your perspective and your experience because it's like the extremes. It allows you to recognize where the true middle is when you've been on all the points outside of the circle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Can you, I wonder, can, I'm just curious when you hear us articulating that, like uh, really wanting to get into that kind of scrap, is that part of your like psyche and mentality in any No, capacity? man, like, <laughs> like it's, it's very logical to me. I'm a very logical person. Like if there's chaos going outside, you don't go outside. Like, like, you know, like I don't want to get involved. I don't <laughs> want to be risky. Like why be like, let's keep the percentages at like zero. Um, and, and so again, that's, and I wouldn't, I cannot say that that's just female. That's just personally me, sure. someone, you know, it's, it, you want to survive and you want to, you know, you make your life pretty good and you want to ride it out as long as you can. Like, it doesn't need to yeah. be awesome. Like I, I, I'm fine with the way it is. Like, I think it's awesome. It might be like a million times better, but I'm not really like, this is like, I live in good enough <laughs> in general. Um, and then I want to like push out slightly, but I don't want to make big leaps. Mm-hmm. But that's again, boys, just me. I cannot I speak think, for the female race. I, I think that boys should be encouraged to, to go up and push the line of chaos, to, to touch it, to see what it, you know, so that you like, 
they say, you know, like the, the strongest steel is forged in the hottest fires. You know, I think that that means something. And I think that that's a very important thing for young men is to, to be encouraged not to fight each other because they don't like each other or they disagree about something. They should fight each other so that they know what it's like to get hit in the face. They know that they're not going to get broken by getting hit. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I think there's something very, very important about, you know, teaching young men that they're tougher then they're not glass. You know what I'm saying? They're not going to break. Like go out there and see that you are resilient and become more resilient because of it. That's my like outlook. Like I think that, and not just young men, I think every person Mm -hmm. should seek that chaos, that line between chaos and and order and, and flirt with it and see how far you can get, how close you can get to it without getting burned. And, yeah. and kids, now that now that you put it that way, if I were to describe, I want to avoid hardship, mm. right? So so if, if that's again at different end of the spectrum, like I, I don't I don't want bad. So in comparison to that, like good is way above it. So like yeah. why would I? Yeah. And again, just mentality. Yeah. Difference. Mm. Yeah, I guess I think like I think about the everyone in that of like in combatives, like I. I didn't spend a whole lot of time with wrestling. I, like I said, I, I would have liked to in some ways, but I didn't have a real good sense of self-control and there were aspects of the sport that didn't work. Um, but I think again, like stitching back into the movement piece is like, that's where I like all kids should be encouraged to the like active roll around, jump out of trees, like to the best of your abilities. And that's where I try to be like careful with language too. Cause I know that like some kids don't have, they don't come into the world with two hands or any hands. And that's like, I want to be sensitive to that too. That individual deserves like to experience their body in any kind of way. And like fighting is a great way. And I think the fact of like a a big soft mat is like the thing that I come back to when I think about the wrestling room is like, awesome. Like put kids in rooms with soft mats and like, yeah, pull each other's hair. Like see how it feels like it doesn't feel good. You're going to get yours pulled back too. Like, and that's, I don't know. I, I want that for like, when I think about my experience in school, that's the like, of like, oh, I needed to be active like the whole eight hour day, not like gym class recess, you know? I could have been running around the whole time. But anyway, I know we're trying to wrap up here, but I'm not fighting <laughs> it back into the conversation. No, it was really, really good all around. I, I really think, you know, as we let this digest a bit um, and this kind of series picks up, I would love to come back um, if not just just us three, but maybe add, you know, I think it might be interesting to add like Mars into the fold. Um, mm-hmm. Another, she's the the BJJ champion, like all kind of ultra. Might be really cool. So I'll I'll try to get her wrangled in, and, and we'll definitely yeah. do this again. That could be yeah, fun. I'm definitely going to think about this as I, you know, after this, I'm going to be thinking about all this, and then I'm going to say, oh, we should have talked about that. Yeah. We should have talked about this. Awesome. Always. So, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I gotta, we should definitely do it again. We'll just part two it. Great. Well, it's been great talking with you guys. I really appreciate it. This is, I'm going to have a lot to think about as well. Yes. Awesome. Thanks again, guys. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Bye, everybody. Bye. Nice to meet you, Mike. Take care, Chris.